0: and rolling. Well, uh, Rob, welcome uh, welcome to the Golf Guide podcast, man. It's really nice to have you. For everybody uh, listening, this is Mr. Rob Lang, who I believe is the general manager at Indie Golf. Is that, uh, is that right, Rob?
1: That's correct, Kyle, and thank you for having me on, on Golf Guide. This is a great opportunity. I appreciate you. Definitely,
0: i saw him. absolutely man no i'm always uh, excited uh to talk to you know somebody new first of all make a new friend in the in the golf industry but also to learn about something that um at least i myself know very very little about and that is like golf club engineering manufacturing and the whole business uh of selling golf clubs. so i, I do really appreciate you uh taking some time aside to, to chat with me and, and share this with our listeners man it's really great um,
1: no problem, this is a passion of mine And I love talking about this stuff So you might have problems getting me to be quiet So we'll see <laughs> It's all good, man
0: Hey, you, you, people listening to this podcast know very, very well That I love to listen to myself So hopefully we'll be, we'll be fighting for mic time But hopefully uh, I will have the, the patience to let you do rock and roll So before we get going huh, here, Rob Why don't you, you uh, give all of our listeners a little bit of background information on yourself
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been in the golf business for, uh, well over 20 years now. I initially started, uh, with a big brand Callaway golf and was in research and development there and designed a lot of different things, uh, shafts, wedges, putters, uh, woods. I mean, you name it. So I did that for a long time. And then I, I, uh, moved away from that. I went to, uh, another company and, uh, worked actually in hockey for a while and working on composite hockey sticks. And then, um, uh, and then since then I've left there and, um, you know, got a couple business partners and we started up this new brand, uh, Indie golf. Um, we have a, a passion for the game and we want to, we want to make the game more approachable and more friendly for uh, people out there. So that's why we, uh, decided to start this brand.
0: Well, that's awesome, man. So, um, as we were talking a little bit before we, we started recording the podcast today, um, so your, your new venture Indie golf is relatively new, and for you know th- those out there that are not familiar with indie, um, would you mind sharing to everybody what indie golf is all about and what your guys' kind of mission uh, is in terms of you know the clubs you guys are producing?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, that, great question. Um, I mean, we started this, and you're right, we're brand new. I mean, we launched back in March, so uh, we're very new, um, you know. But we have a lot of experience in the golf industry. Like I said, I've been in it for. 20 years. And both of my business partners have been in it also. And, uh, you know, we looked at the golf industry and said, you know, what's going on here? How can we make it more approachable? We, you know, we talked to our friends and, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, I don't play golf anymore. It's too frustrating or, you know, um, and things like that. And so we're sitting back going, we love the game. How can we get more people into the game? How can we get them to love it as much as we do? And so, you know, for us, our mantra is to make uh, golf more approachable and fun for players of all skill levels uh, so they can enjoy the satisfaction of the game. And we felt the best way to do that is uh, designing golf clubs that are easy to hit and uh, increases a player's performance uh, pretty much instantly. Um, and that's where Indie Golf came from. Indy is short for individual because we want to improve an individual's performance. Um, so that's where that came from. And uh, it also keeps us grounded on thinking, hey, we're making this for each person out there um, that's looking to improve their game, and we want to help them improve their game and and just their enjoyment of the game.
0: Awesome. Well, I will say this: it, it seems to me from every golf club manufacturer, um, they're they're you know the the spiel I hear you know relatively often is that we want to make people better. You guys are certainly no different. But what what exactly makes like indies golf clubs say you know, easier to hit or, you know, um, would technically make a round of golf more enjoyable for someone, you Mm -hmm. know, as opposed to like, you know, golf clubs or wedges made from one of the major manufacturers. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's a great point. And so for us, what we've done is we've kind of thrown the rules of golf out the window, you know, when it comes to clubs and we've just looked at it and said, now, what is it that we can do to a product to make it perform similar to say what the pros do so our wedges for example um they have non-conforming grooves. they're bigger um, they're deeper they're close together and they run along the whole uh club face you know the the, the length of the club face and so the advantage is what this does for the average joe you know like me out there that can't hit it like a tour player around the greens is that i can still get the same spin and launch conditions they do so at the end of the day I have a lot more control over my golf ball, and we all know if you have a good short game, you're going to be able to lower your scores. So we focused on that, uh, making something that can spin the ball and then is forgiving at the same time.
0: Interesting. So I I, I want to pick your brain a little bit, um, Rob, about the the whole non-conforming thing because I think a, a lot of golfers, you know, like myself, um, know that there are rules in terms of like what equipment can and cannot do, but you know Mm -hmm. what those rules actually are most of us really don't have any idea so um like for indy are you guys making any other clubs yet you know other than wedges i I know you guys have started with like the stingray wedges um which you and harrison were showing me but um like for wedges what what is allowed by the usga or is the usga even in the people that are setting these rules up or is it the rna and what exactly is allowed and what you know you said the the grooves I guess are kind of what makes it so it's not uh, USGA conforming. But what, uh, right? Yeah, did, would you mind sharing a little bit more information on that with me? Because I'm, yeah, I'm totally so, clueless. So, I'm super interested. You know, yeah, the, the main. Yeah, the the main.
1: Uh, you know, so um, what the USGA does is they um, and they're the they're the governing body. They do all the testing and everything. And and typically, the RNA. Um, you know, as of a few years ago, they've kind of linked themselves together and the RNA kind of follows suit. So if the USGA approves something or comes up with a new rule, the RNA follows suit. But the RNA also has input into that. Um, so they kind of work hand in hand. Um, and the USGA typically, and for you know all intents and purposes, I always say is they're, what they do is they're limiting the performance of the clubs through the shape of the head, the size of the head, the types of grooves that are on the head, the finishes that are on the shaft even. I mean, there's all these things that they look into that try to limit the, the performance of the product, um, you know, and this to me comes from what the professional golfers can do. I mean, you know, look at those guys every week, EV. they're hitting drives 330 yards, you know, they're flying the ball over 300 yards. Well, you look at the average golfer, um, they might be able to fly the golf ball in the air with their driver about 220 yards. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge discrepancy there and, uh, they end up wanting to play, you know, similar tees to the pros or, you know, um, and then it becomes a very long, arduous round of golf, um, because they're not able to perform like the pros. And, you know, people forget the pros do this all day long. They train for it. They weight lift, they do all these different things. Um, so that to me, you know, is the kind of the mistake that the usga makes every once in a while um you know i'm not a big fan of them banning the anchoring putter um i feel like yes it's an advantage for the pro but look at the average joe out there who may have the yips or something and is thinking of giving up the game because he can't make putts but then he uses an anchored putter and all of a sudden he can start to putt again his enjoyment goes up and he wants to play the game so those are the those are the big things for me um you know and and to be quite honest, um, you know, not everybody plays by the rules 100% of the time. <laughs> you know, most people pick, have gimmies, you know, they pick up or they do a breakfast ball or, you know, or you can't find your ball um, near the out of bounds or this tree where it went so you drop there, you know. So um, it's just it's just simple things like that. And and to us, you know, giving uh, somebody a tool, a wedge that they can use so when they're hitting into the green, they know the ball's going to stop, end up closer to the hole. I mean, what's not fun with that? And they can even spin it, too. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of people out there who have the clubhead speed or this or the technique to be able to do that. But, you know, you put an indie wedge in their hands, and all of a sudden they can do that, and, you know, that's fun. You know, hitting drives, long drives, making long putts, and spinning wedges, all that
0: stuff is a lot of fun. No, I, I totally I have to admit that this – You know, you're you're talking, it's just made me have just a swirl of questions that I want to ask you. So I I guess the first one will be is, you know, what you're saying about there being, you know, a standard and the rules being set in place because of what the pros can do. It reminds me of a conversation or a debate that I hear a lot of people in golf having, which, you know, pertains to the golf ball and like the USGA limits on what a golf ball can do and how the tour pros Mm -hmm. now are playing, you know, a, a brand of golf that, no, none of us have ever seen before. These guys are hitting it farther than ever. They're more accurate than ever, um, and because of that, a lot of golf courses are having to you know lengthen themselves. A lot of great golf courses that have been built over the years are, can no longer host tour events because they're just not long enough. And so there's been this debate about introducing a new golf ball that you know would you know essentially not travel as far and would force the pros to be hitting it a little bit more you know like we do, I guess you could say, like the average Joe does. And I wonder right. if something along those same lines um, would be in, could be incorporated with clubs where there's like a set of rules for people playing on tour and then another set of rules for the amateur golfer. Because I, I think you know being able to do something like you know, spin a wedge back 10 feet, I mean, shoot, man, I, I, I just became a single-digit handicapper last year after 20-something years of playing golf. It, as much as I love to play this game, I'm just inherently not very good. So any little advantage that I could get, I would love to. But I also like to compete. I like to play in leagues and things like that. So I'm always a little hesitant to do something that would theoretically be against the rule. But like you said, 98% of golfers are giving themselves mulligans and gimmies and whatnot. So nobody's playing by the rules anyway. So I guess... My question to you is. Yeah, and that's. That, that's yeah.
1: that's
0: my, oh, Go ahead, sir. No, no, I mean, I essentially, just my, my question to you is Is that kind of what you're, you're, you're thinking was behind developing a wedge that doesn't necessarily conform? And that, listen, nobody's playing by the rules anyway. It, you, you go out here, you play with your friends, even if you're playing like a friendly match. You know, this this is not something that's going to change the world. It's simply there to make it more fun. Or, I don't know, was there more to the discussion between that? Because, um, I don't know, from a business standpoint, producing a wedge that is theoretically non conforming at first seems like it could be a major hurdle for you guys. But then when you think about how everybody's kind of not playing by the rules anyway, it starts to make a little more sense.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I I truly believe at some point in this game there will be bifurcation. Um, you know, I just look at football. NFL has different rules in college. Baseball, you know, college ball has different rules than and you can go through that with a lot of different sports, um, and you know there's a reason for that. And what's the reason is because the the minor league players aren't as good as the major league players. Um, so, you know they 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 put that in there to to keep the equity of the game at the professional level. Mm-hmm. And you know it's an interesting time, like you say, and that's because we're seeing the generation of the kids that grew up with these big drivers and these golf balls and all these technical advantages that, you know, when I was growing up, at one point I played with a persimmon driver, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, it's changed a lot. And so because of that, um, and of the, just the understanding of biomechanics, these kids can hit the balls forever and they've got these big drivers and things to do that with, which, you know, we say it makes these golf courses obsolete, but it only makes them obsolete for the pro players. I mean, I have yet to run into, uh, any of my amateur friends that go that golf course is too short, you know, yeah. so, um, or, or plays too easy. It just doesn't happen. You know, it's still a, a golf course that's 6,800 to, you know, 7,200 yards from the back tees is good for pretty much any amateur event out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that so to me that's why and then you look at these pros and they're playing these 7600 yard golf courses and they're still hitting wedges into the greens yeah it's um, wild so so that's a, so that that's i just i feel like and i think you know if you look at what the trend what the usga is doing they're making they're cleaning up their rules book they're making things a little more understandable and a, and a little bit more common sense mm-hmm. um on some of these different rules that they're looking at changing so I'd be interested to see if you know they're just going to do that and and roll them out into the professional level too, or at some point you know even the PGA just you know the PGA Tour just goes we're going to play by these rules and the USGA you know oversees the amateur side of things. Sure. Um, or or they have two sets of rules. That's what makes the most sense to me. Um, you know we play golf to enjoy the game, so why not have the tools in your bag to enjoy the game?
0: I, I totally agree. And in, in your opinion, do you think there's any chance that we'll see that? In our lifetime, where they um, they they put up the rules and have a, an amateur set of rules and a professional set of rules,
1: I I I my and just my opinion. I feel it's necessary, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's coming in some sort of shape or form. I mean, and now don't get me wrong; I have no data or anything behind that to base that. I'm just sure, yeah. looking at what the USGA has done recently. You know, by talking about some of these rules are changing. You know. They're talking about there's going to be a rule where you can leave the flag in now when you're on the putting green, um, you know, to help increase the pace of play and, uh, you know, so people can putt and, from long distances and not have someone tend the flag and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that stuff, I could not see that happening on the PGA Tour. For me, you know, that that's one of these things that goes back for – Years and years and years, um, and I would see them, you know, saying, you oh, know, that's a rule that we don't want to incorporate with our players. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see when something like that comes up. And that's just one
0: example. Sure. Well, I, I guess another question that I had for you, Rob, is so with like these indie wedges, it, essentially, uh, to my understanding, with, with the grooves being a little bit bigger, it allows a schmuck like me to be able to hit a wedge into a green, have it stop and suck it back like, you know, five, ten feet, which... I mean, I, I have done in the past. Never intentionally. It's always just been an accident where I might have made a good swing, where I swung down on the you know down on the ball a little bit harder than normal, right. and somehow it stopped and sucked back. Um, I guess my question to you is, if a professional was to use one of these indie wedges, would it also would it be just as much an advantage for them? As it would be for someone like us, because they can already spin the ball back anyway. If they were to use something like an indie yeah. wedge, is their ball, like would it actually be, you know, problematic? Because then all of a sudden, the ball that they're used to be able to hit, have it spin back ten feet is you know rolling back thirty feet. How, how do you think that? Would yeah, in,
1: in in certain conditions, it would be you know, and that's the thing. And and you know, we've seen that you get it in a, a player's hand that that is able to spin the ball, and now it's too much spin. So, um, you know. And here's the thing: we've done the research. These spin 50% more than anything else that's out there. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of spin. It's not, you know, um, if you look at your average tour player, when they make a a full swing with a, with a say a sand wedge, they're spinning it over 10,000 RPMs every time, and getting really, you know, around 12,000 RPMs. The average Joe hitting a a sand wedge, and when they catch it good, is about 7,500 to 8,500 RPMs. So there's a, there's a huge stopping power difference there. Um, So in that, you know, and that's what we've done with the Indy wedge. If you also look at the way the tour players hit the wedges, it's a lot different. It has a different flight. It's flighted down. And the reason for that is they're trapping it. They're compressing it and they're, and, and that allows the grooves to grab the ball and spin it. Well, you know, for us, we don't, there's not enough time in the day uh, for us to practice and get to that point. So, you know, I can put a wedge in your hand that automatically with all those grooves is going to grip the ball, compress the ball. is going to launch the ball lower, which is a much easier, uh, you know, way to control the direction of the ball. And then when it hits the green, it's going to take one hop stop or
0: even spin back a little bit. Interesting. Well, yeah, I just, yeah, the the whole, the whole concept of uh, being able to kind of you know design a golf club just to perform at the absolutely peak level regardless of the rules i find it be fascinating and uh... i have to admit like i haven't had that much experience in learning about or even hitting like non-conforming golf clubs just because they're not that common the only one that i can recall that i had a blast doing and at the time because i was a little younger i still couldn't quite register exactly why but being a callaway you know a former callaway guy yourself the only experience I ever had was with the ERC driver, which I, I don't even know right. how, how – do you, do you recall how long ago the ERCs uh, were around when people were hitting those?
1: Yeah, that was back in the, uh, you know, uh, 94-ish, 93, 95, somewhere in there. I was actually working there at the time when those were launched. Okay, I uh, did a lot of testing with that. And so, yeah, I mean, talk about a fun product, you know. Um, it really uh, – you know, you could add 20 yards to your game – right away. And you didn't have to change your swing or anything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, and that's the thing, you know, and it's, it's interesting because you look at, you know, um, the U S um, as you know, or North America, um, there's a lot of golf ego here. I call it. Sure. So, you know, people are like, well, I'm going to play by the rules cause that's what the pros play by. And that's, you know, and, and that's what I'll do. And I don't want to be a cheater, so to speak. Uh, even though they're going ahead and picking up putts and things like that. Um, but, you know... The irony you is strong. ...transport yourself over... What's that?
0: The irony is very strong the irony among the Monk's golfers. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. But then you transport yourself over into Asia and um, and that side of the world, and they love those types of products because they know, you know, they don't have the ego. They know that if I take this out there, I'm going to enjoy myself more. Um, and And so... Those types of of products sell really well uh, over there because people are wanting to see what it's like to or get as close to the performance of a professional as they can. Um, So, you know, that so it's just a it's a it's a different mentality. It's a different way of thinking. Um, You know, I, I catch a little bit of grief when I play with my friends, but I say, look, I've been playing with these wedges for long enough now and I've been recording my scores that it's actually calculated into my handicap. So, you know, I'm a, you know, say I'm a two handicap now. I was a four. It's saving me two strokes. But when I play somebody for money, I'm still playing. I'm playing at a two handicap. I'm no longer playing at that four. So, um, you know, there's there's ways to get around it um, as far as when it comes to competition uh, and things like that.
0: No, well, actually, that that was a point that I had not even thought of before. And that if it's baked right into your handicap, like listen. I'm better because of it, but, you know, th- because of that, I'm giving you two less strokes. It, it, I, I don't know how you could make it any more fair and how anybody would honestly have too much of an issue with that unless they're just so jealous that you're shooting, a, you know, a 74 when they think, you know, and they're shooting 75 <laughs> right. and they're, they're, just, they're just bitter, bitter people. But right. um, well, right. anyway, I guess the question I had for you then is, you know, making the choice um, with, you know, your, your new company, Indie to go and do the nonconforming thing, Um, was part of your experience at Callaway, for instance, when you were doing the ERC, did you learn anything uh, from that point in terms of how consumers reacted to and responded to something that was non-conforming and be able to use that golf? I did
1: did learn at the time, you know, timing is everything with anything that you do. And, you know, I'm looking, we looked at the golf business, um, you know, you look at it back then, it was surging, it was going, you know, you had the introduction of the titanium drivers, um, you have Tiger Woods, shortly coming onto the scene. I mean, you have all these factors that really grew the game. And then, um, you know, at some point, the USGA stepped in and said, okay, the driver heads are big enough now. Stop, you know, (laughs) more than, than 460 cc's, you know. The trampoline effect has to be limited to this. The ball has to be limited to this. So they put all these limitations on there. And since then, you know, golf has been, has leveled out. And even over the last couple of years here in North America, the participation is dropping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with how long it takes to learn the game, how long it takes to play the game. And so, you know, a couple of things, if we can put clubs in people's hands, you know, that they can pick up the game quicker or get more satisfaction and fun out of the game, then they're going to want to do it. Um, so that's kind of what we learned is timing is everything. And, and I think now, um, like I said, the USJ seems to be changing a lot of rules. Why is that? They're trying to make the game more approachable, and that's all we're trying to do. Um, you know, and, and it, it's not a focus on let's just make non-conforming clubs. We're just going to make the best performing clubs that we can. If they're conforming, great. If they're non-conforming, you know, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. It's just all about I want to put something in somebody's hands out there where we know they're going to go out and they're just going to have more fun, because we all know that this game can be very frustrating at times.
0: Man, it's so simple, but it also makes so much sense. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those things where you're like, well, duh, isn't that what everybody should be doing anyway? Just making the best performing stuff and not worrying about you know the rules. It's like you know, ask for uh, what's up. My dad always said, ask for forgiveness, not for permission. <laughs> or something along that. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe, maybe yeah. you guys follow some other yeah. mantra. Oh man, well, Rob, I yeah, have and to...
1: and we're finding. I mean, there's there's a market out there for this. I mean, people. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that play casual golf that don't play in events. And like you said earlier, um, you know, they're very interested in this in something like this. So, um, you know, with the comments we get, it's a really quality product and, and it adds a lot more uh, fun to their game where they can do things they weren't able to do before. So we're happy with the way it's, it's come out. And, you know, we appreciate that you gave us this plat- platform to talk about it on.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I know that, uh, I was reading over the national golf foundation's, Uh, like participation report I think that came out uh, a month ago when they had another little something that came out the other day that I was reading and you know one of the things that I noticed that was really interesting is that interest in golf where when I, I think the the metric they use is people who have not played a round of golf before but have expressed a large interest in learning how to play golf or going at least to play golf on a golf course that is up dramatically and so I wonder if those people the people that are just starting to look to pick up the game um is that part a large portion of the people that you guys are looking to connect with and share your products with or is this something that you know you're just looking to any golfer that's looking to have a good time like in terms of the types of demographics you guys are looking to reach with a product like this what how, how does that factor into your business plan or you know just in terms of how you guys market yourselves and who you're trying to reach
1: Yeah. And so they're, they're, they are a big part of that. And so, you know, our brand is based off of quality first, you know, we want to bring stuff out there that, that's, you know, when you put your money down, you know, you're getting something, um, that's going to perform, it's going to last and it's backed, uh, backed by, uh, customer service and all that good stuff. Um, and you know, the demographics for us are just, you know, there's really two main sections for us. It's those new golfers coming in, you know, put something in their hands so they can go, You know, the great thing about this club, too, you put it in somebody's hands, even if they've played golf for a long time and they start hitting shots with it. Now they see what a good wedge shot should look like. They feel what a good wedge shot feels like. And so it's a great training aid. And that's why, you know, people coming into the game, it's perfect for them. The other aspect of this is, you know, uh, guys who are getting older, who have been playing the game, that were better players, and they were able to do things before with their clubs, but they can't do it now because they don't have the club head speed um, that they used to. Um, So that's another uh, great market for it. Um, But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you know, those are the two that we kind of focus on. But at the end of the day, I mean, the the entire market is, you know, is ripe for this because it's something that, hey, it will improve your short game. Um, You know, as soon as you take it out there and play with it a few times, you're you know your your scores will improve, and you'll also get a better understanding of what a good short game feels and looks like,
0: yeah, I mean, Rob, you could take it from me. Nobody enjoys sucking at golf and I mean being good at golf and being able to do fun things is tremendously better than just being bad and and basically chunking wedges and you know into bunkers from forty yards out. I had a lot of experience with that last weekend, and if if you could put something in my hand, that would make that a little easier. Oh man, count count Definitely. me in and sign me up. That's <laughs> that sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I guess you know before I, uh, you know I don't want to take too much more of your time here, Rob. But uh, you know having the opportunity to speak to somebody who's been you know in in the golf manufacturing, the golf club manufacturing business for twenty plus years like you have, um, it, you know, including your time at Callaway and now at Indy. Um, d- d- would it be wrong for me to assume that you've been you know pretty instrumental in terms of like the engine from the engineering point in terms of like actually building these golf clubs and doing. Uh, you know, all the research and, you know, I, I, I don't know, I, I, know so little about Absolutely, this. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know my, my,
1: my, cup of, yeah, my cup of tea is, you know, I, I'm did a lot of research and then I have a, I have a good eye for design, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm able to go out and find out what, uh, what people need out there, what players need, and then, uh, translating that into a product that not only performs, but also looks good. Um, you know the, the, golf is a very much of, uh, of a fashion industry also so you need products that uh, uh, that look you know, like a golf club so to speak and uh, have a certain aesthetic to it um, you know but they also need to perform and uh, and so you know my that's where my expertise is is I'm you know I, I've been on a lo- a number of testing teams so I'm able to evaluate the golf clubs by hitting them and and things like that. So I have a my my background is mainly research and then I work with engineers um to translate that research into a product that performs for individuals.
0: Got it. So you're what you're trying to tell me is that golfers are self conscious. They care what other people think. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they, they notice people that. looking at their clubs and wonder what they're thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I guess uh, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here, Rob. So uh, you can't choose an indie golf club, but from somebody who's, you know, worked in research and development, um, what what are like one or two of the golf clubs that you've seen over the past f- five, 10, maybe even 15 years that have stood out to you from a research standpoint where you're like, wow, this is like, this is really impressive. And maybe it caught on with the market. Maybe it didn't. Um, you know, I, I asked this question because the, the only other time, where I got a chance to you know, sit down with a, you know, a friend of a friend who I believe had worked for Cobra uh, for a number of years, and I asked him a similar question, and he said, honestly, the one thing that's really weird is, remember that Nike Sasquatch driver? That weird square driver that nobody liked looking at? That tested mm-hmm. better than any driver I can remember seeing, and I was floored, what, you know, and he explained it to me a little bit, and I was like, huh, I wonder if there's any other golf clubs out there that tested really really well that for some reason the market just didn't just didn't get behind do you, do you have any stories like that or you know products that come to mind uh, when, when you think of something like that
1: oh that's a really uh, great question i'm trying to think um well i mean you mentioned cobra and um that's one of the things uh, those guys i'm continually impressed with the products that they bring out um you know they don't really have the the marketing budget and things behind it, like the Callaways and TaylorMade's do of the mm-hmm. world, and they don't have the, the uh, exposure on the tour, but there's been products and I felt like they've done themselves a disservice at times that they've come out and the product's been excellent. Um, they had some hybrids a few years ago um, that uh, I thought were just amazing. And um, they just had them for about a year and then they were gone. Um, and I don't remember what they were off the top of my head right now, but, I mean, all of these companies have such big R&D departments, and the research they do is top-notch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the 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 epic driver for Callaway that just came out. I mean, that's a that's a technology we haven't seen before. By having those two bars in there and and having the sole and the and the crown uh, perform together, that's a very interesting concept. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you look at what TaylorMade does, and the de- level of detail that goes into you know, their M series stuff, their drivers and, and, uh, their irons and everything. I'm always impressed with that. So, um, I don't know that there's, you know, I'm all, I'm continually impressed when new products come out and, and how they look and feel. And, uh, you know, but, uh, I mean, I don't know that there's been any, uh, really odd looking things like you spent scratch that, uh, I've experienced that, you know, um, I'd love to keep in my bag because it performs so well compared to anything else out there. I think everybody does a pretty pretty good job of uh, bringing out good product. I think the point of differentiation these days is just, uh, getting fit properly and and getting clubs that really work for that individual person.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll start to put a wrap on this here, Rob. So, uh, bringing this thing back to uh, to indie golf, I know as of right now, you guys have wedges um, available for people. What any other clubs kind of in the pipeline? uh, that people might be wanting to look out for in the next, you know, you know, month, year, couple years. Yeah, we're
1: looking uh, at, at different things. I mean, we're mainly focusing on the short game right now. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can probably read into that, what we're, uh, what we're looking at next. Um, you know, because we feel like that's where, uh, a lot of times, you know, we've all experienced this, you rip a drive down the middle and then you know, you've got a wedge in or you or you hit it near the green or something and the next thing you know you've chipped three times and four putted and, and you're ready to go Jeez. go to your car and go home. Rob have you, you been know, spying so, on me? Uh, <laughs> I've been spying on myself. <laughs> um so uh so you know, that's where our focus is, is going to be. Um, you know, uh we feel like there's uh there's an area in there for a little bit of um industrial design and, and uh uh, just creativity that we can bring to the table. That'll make some very, uh, cool looking products, very, uh, quality products and very high performing products. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, you know, we're really, uh, you know, like we said, we just started in March. We're, we're really, uh, pushing the, the stingray product out there. And, um, you know, uh, we feel strongly that if somebody puts it in their hands and uses it, they'll,
0: they'll, uh, be very satisfied. Awesome, awesome. Well, Rob, I got two questions for you here before I bid you adieu. Um, these are okay. like a little more rapid fire, so they're they're a little, you know, a little more personal. So I hope you don't mind sharing with everybody. So, other than indie wedges, as a, as a man who's worked in golf research and development at Callaway, you know, designed hockey sticks, and now you know with a couple of partners owns his own you know wedge company. What's in the bag? Other other than indie wedges, what what other clubs do you do you have in your bag right now?
1: Um, uh, actually I have a lot of Titleist products. So, um, I have, um, the, uh, seven, uh, 16 blades,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which I probably shouldn't have, but that's what I'm, what I'm playing. Um, <laughs> to be fair, they uh, they look
0: their... really manly. When I see somebody playing seven I'm like, damn, that dude <laughs> yeah. must have a yeah. really smooth swing.
1: Right. Um, I love my, my Titleist 917 three wood. That thing is, uh, the beast. That's great. It's one of the best, uh, fairy woods that I've I've hit in a long time um and then uh you know I have a very old uh old school putter I've actually uh gone back to a uh an Odyssey uh 880 classic which is mm. you know a blade putter yeah um I used to use that as a kid and so I've been trying everything lately to improve my putting, so I just went back to square one, and that seems to be working.
0: So. You know, hey, you could get, go back to where it all started, and you know, and work from there. I, I think that's a pretty good strategy, man. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. So, and last last question for you, Rob, before we uh, before we take off here, uh, since you guys are based out of Southern California, you know, Orange County, San Diego, you know, that sort of area down there, um, where are your handful of favorite places to go play golf? Uh, it, it can be either down in Southern California if you have a non-Southern California course that maybe you could recommend? Yeah, one of my,
1: one of my, yeah, well, one of my favorite courses, and it's a private course, so that's uh, not accessible for everybody, but it's Rancho Santa Fe Country Club. Uh, it's it's uh, very similar to a golf course I grew up on in Canada with tree lined and has a lot of shape to it. Um, you know. But uh, uh, I always enjoy the one that I've been recently been very impressed with, and it's now public, which I didn't know that, but it's Marine Memorial golf course on Sam Pendleton base. So anybody can go out there and uh, it's a great layout and it's in phenomenal shape and it's very, um, and the price is right, you know? So, um, so, and then uh, another great layout in North County here is uh, Arrowwood. That seems to be a very solid, um, solid layout. And then uh, one of my favorites, just because I live uh, about a half a mile down the street from it, Again, it's a private course, but uh, and, and it's very challenging. Is Vista Valley Country Club?
0: Okay, Vista Valley Country. I, I randomly here. So, are, are you guys pretty far away, or how, how close are you to like Oceanside, uh, Carlsbad, those kinds of areas? That's all North County, correct?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, where I'm situated, I'm very close to Oceanside. Uh, Carlsbad is uh, is a little bit south uh, west of of where I am um so uh but not too far away yeah that's awesome we're not too far away from the from the golf mecca of Carlsbad yeah well
0: that's what I mean that, that Carlsbad and like the San Diego area in general ranked I know it's cuz it sounds somewhat crazy but we did a uh, or I, I put an article together for the last issue of Golf Guide magazine of the top west coast destinations to play golf and drink beer and obviously, you know, San Diego is right there at the top with, you know, Stone, Bows Point, you <laughs> know, Pizza Port, and you yep. know, everything you got in North County. So you guys, if, if you like to drink beer mm-hmm. and play golf, there are very few places that I could think of to accomplish both those goals more so than uh, the well, North County well, San Diego. So yeah. you're a lucky man.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, Vista's a great spot. Um, you know, you brought up the the beer. You know, we've got right downtown and, and right within uh, – like walking distance of each other. You've got mother earth there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've also have belching beaver, um, and, uh, and prohibition. So, um, we've got some, we've got some great micro that are very close to one another. And yeah, not far from the golf
0: course either. Oh man, beer and golf, Rob, y- you and I are going to get along great. I think that means that we need to go play a round of golf together next time you're in the Bay area or next time I'm in San Diego. That it, it seems like it, it, ha- it has to happen. Drinking beer and playing golf are two All of my right. favorite activities.
1: There you go. We'll, I'll hold you to that.
0: Okay. Awesome. Well, Rob, uh, before I let you go one last time, um, if people are interested in you know looking into indie golf, your products and everything like that, where where can they go and what can they do to learn more about it, and you know even take it a step further, what, where do they go if they want to buy one of these things?
1: Yeah. So uh, you know everything we do is online. Um, so they can go to indiegolfclubs.com and Indie is spelled I-N-D-I. Like I said, it's short for individual, so mm-hmm. it's Um They'll be able to find any information there. We have our phone number on there, so if they have questions, they can call, and they, and I'll be picking up the phone and I can uh, explain uh, whatever anybody needs. Or uh, we do uh, some customization too, so we can stamp the wedges with initials, names, things like that. We can bend them um, for different lies um, and. Uh, and we'll even uh, replace the grips, or if somebody has a has a grip that they want to put on there. So, but everything's done through our website at, at indiegolfclubs.com.
0: Sweet. All right. Well, that's awesome. Well, Rob, thank you very much for your time, man. Thank you for all the great information and the, and the good conversation, man. I really appreciate it, and hopefully, uh, all of our listeners will uh, feel feel as I do, and that I thought this was a pretty educational and cool, uh, you know, a, a cool inside look at uh, golf club manufacturing and and business and stuff like that. So, I really appreciate your time, man.
1: You know, thank you for having us. I really appreciate it too. And if anybody ever out there wants to talk golf, just give us a ring and, and, uh, you know, we'll be more than happy to uh, have a conversation.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. I know it has been a little while since, uh, you last heard from us and, it, you know, which is pretty ironic considering in the very last podcast, I told you we're going to start doing things a little bit more frequently, but, uh, you know, what can I say? I'm full of it. But anyway, uh, uh, I'm glad you listened to the podcast. We got another couple of them lined up actually for the next week or so. So we're really going to get back humming along this time for real, I promise. Uh, But anyways, this episode of the Golf Guide podcast was presented by GolfGuide.net. Dude, guys, if you haven't already, go and visit GolfGuide.net to see the internet's most complete golf course directory. That's right. If you go to golfguide.net, Click on that little filters button right below the search bar. It will allow you to search for golf courses by price, difficulty, course and slope rating, course type, architect, the whole nine yards. It allows you to find exactly the type of golf course that you are looking for and also kind of plays into our sweet little tagline where we help you find the golf that you need. So anyway, visit GolfGuide.net. Find any golf course you want using any parameter you can. And also, while you're there, visit the store and save 20 to 70% off greens fees at golf courses all over California, Nevada, and Oregon. Again, that's golfguide.net. Find the golf you need. And uh, that's it for this week, everybody. We'll be back hopefully within the next uh, four or five days. Um, Got a couple of new interesting guests for you, so I hope you stay tuned and join us then. But until that point, mahalo.